someone else. That's one way to live life. That's one way to do church is to come together on Sundays and, you know, maybe go to a small group every now and then. That's one way to do it. To say, you know what? I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to hurt people. Let's just worship together, say hello, and then go about our ways. But if we really want to live life as God calls us to do together as a family, we're going to bump into each other. We're going to hurt each other. We got to be brave enough to say, you know what? We got to practice forgiveness because we have to be a family that's maybe different from your biological family. We have to be a family who, you know, on the house rules, the first rule is forgiveness, that we forgive one another. A place where hurts and pains that are coming in life aren't swept under the rug, aren't brushed off, but are brought into the light where healing can take place, where relationships can be restored. Whether that's with your blood family or with your chosen family, a place where justice for what has taken place can occur. To do that, we got to be a church that's ready to forgive. So this morning, I want to look at that. Okay, what does it mean to forgive one another? Turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. And as you flip there, we're going to walk through a few things. I'm going to talk about the root of forgiveness, the route of forgiveness, and the results of forgiveness. So let's take a look at that first one. What's the root of forgiveness? Where does that come from? Go to Colossians chapter 3. Where Paul writes this, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. If we want to be a church that's for Afton, for the world, for ourselves, for the next generation, a place of forgiveness, we got to understand where does forgiveness come from? Because we grow up in a world Uh, that is shaping us. So where does forgiveness come from? We don't want to be shaped by cheap forgiveness that the world offers. We want to be shaped by God's forgiveness, true forgiveness. So where does it come from? In the New Testament, there's two words that are used in your Bibles that are translated as forgiveness. The first one means this. To forgive means to send away. To send away. So when we turn to God and we ask for forgiveness, God sends our sin away. He takes it away from us. The Bible says it this way in Psalm 103. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west. There's actually a ceremony in the Old Testament where they actually uh, practice this, where there's a visual, where they're showing it, where they're doing it. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 16, verse 20 through 22, we get this story, we get this ritual where the priest would come and he would put his hands on this goat and he would pray and all the sins that the people had committed would be put on the goat and then they would send the goat out. The goat would leave and it would carry all their sins out into the wilderness. Now that was a ceremony. That was a shadow of what was to happen in the life of Jesus. 
In Colossians chapter 2 says this, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. That is a beautiful picture of forgiveness. When we turn to God, when we turn to God and say, my sin is destroying my life and the life of those around me. Will you take it away from me? That's what he does. He takes it away. Now, there's another word uh, that they use when they talk about forgiveness in the New Testament. And it means this, to grant pardon unconditionally. This is what God does. He offers every person forgiveness, not because of what they've done. He doesn't look around and say, okay, well, you know, they did XXX. You know, they went to church three times a month and they gave and they helped the old lady across the street. Um, so now they can get forgiveness. All right, here's forgiveness. No, he freely offers it unconditionally to us. So you have those two definitions in your mind. And then you read that passage, forgive as God has forgiven you. That sounds really hard, really challenging. And I'll be honest with you, I don't really like it. I'm not God. God, how can you possibly ask me to forgive as you have forgiven? But as God usually does, as I was reading and praying this week, um, I was reminded that Jesus is a human being. The same spirit that dwells in Jesus and allows him to forgive even those who are crucifying him. As he extends forgiveness to people like Peter who betrayed him, who even in his final moments sends out an offer of forgiveness for Judas and those around him. The same spirit that dwelled in that Jesus can dwell in me. That same offer to live the life of Jesus is offered to me if I choose. That means I can forgive because forgiveness is not rooted in me. It's rooted in Jesus. And guess what? If you're a Christian, this is like maybe the best news you're going to hear for the rest of the sermon. So you are being transformed into that very Jesus. The Bible says it this way in a couple of places. And we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed. If you're a Christian, that's what's happening to you. You're being transformed into his image. Ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is a spirit in the book of Romans. For those God foreknew, he also predestined Here we go to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he might be firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I'm like, this is the stuff that like, I get excited about, like keeps me up at night in good ways and bad ways. I'm being transformed into Jesus. I would love nothing more for my wife and my daughters and the people in my church and my neighbors to meet Jesus, to, be to see a human being transformed and being able to love and forgive them as Jesus has. I get frustrated because I think, man, I got a long way to go. But I get excited to think like, that's, I could do that. You're doing that work in me. So forgiveness is commanded, right? Forgive as God has forgiven you. 
We understand that it's not rooted in me. It's rooted in the Jesus that God is transforming me into. So I can forgive that way. So how do I actually do it? What's the route of forgiveness? How do we walk the road of forgiveness? Now, the first thing you got to realize, I'm going to give some practical steps on how we can actually do this together. But before that, there's something we have to realize is that forgiveness is not natural. We live in a world that does not value forgiveness. It either offers you like zero forgiveness or cheap substitutes of forgiveness. We see this all the time around us, right? There's a large contingent in our world that is not interested in forgiveness. It's interested in punishment. They look at people and they say, you know what? You're wrong. We're right. And this is the way it's going to be now. And if you come against what we say, even if it's from a tweet 50 years ago, you're bad and you need to be punished. They're not interested and I'll tell you, like, both sides of the camp do this. <laughs> They're not interested in real forgiveness. Forgiveness for their friends, yes. <laughs> forgiveness for their enemies, no. So if you are growing up in that world, you need to realize that you're going to have to cultivate forgiveness. In fact, I think there's a way to tell, like, are you ready to forgive people? If you were Matthew Rice in that scene, would you be ready to forgive? I think there's a way you can kind of maybe check yourself this morning. We've been looking at Colossians 3.13, but look at the verse that comes right before it. This is what enables verse 13. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. What's Paul saying? If you put these two verses together, the people who are ready to forgive, the people who forgiveness comes natural are those who are clothing themselves right now in compassion, humility, kindness, gentleness, patience. Do you catch that? These virtues have to be cultivated in our lives if we're going to be forgiving people. It takes work to become that type of person. Jesus transforms us. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes cooperation to become a person who in the moment forgiveness is requested, we can grant it. Another way to think about this is today is Super Bowl Sunday. So I'm contractually obligated to use a Super Bowl reference in a sermon. There are people who are playing in that Super Bowl today, and they've spent their entire lives preparing for this moment, right? Every coach, every player, every official, even the announcers, right? Everyone who's here, who's going to, especially the players who are going to step out onto that field, they've been preparing their bodies, their minds for this very moment. If by some strange reason they were to call me today after church and say, hey, we need another player could you come play in the Super Bowl? Like, this is what would happen. I would die. Like, okay. Like, if I tried to get out there and do that, I, yeah, like, it would be the end of me. Why? I'm not ready for that. My body is not ready for that. My mind is not ready for that. I'm not even close <laughs> to ready, like, for that moment. 
And what I'm saying is that if you're not right now actively growing in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, then guess what? You won't be ready for that big moment either. It's not just going to come natural. That's why Paul says, clothe yourselves. What does that mean? This is what I think he means. You got to give yourself over to habits, practices, rhythms, postures that are making you a more compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient person. Those who are clothed accordingly will be those who can bear with one another and forgive one another. Forgiveness, the route of forgiveness, what we're about to talk about, it's not just a checklist of things we have to do. It's, a, it's the fruit of a way of life. It's a life that prepares you for big moments when forgiveness is needed. But do you know what those characteristics describe me of? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. That sounds like a person. <laughs> it sounds like Jesus As you commit yourself to become more like him, you become the person you're supposed to be. So if that's kind of, so that's some background, right? Let's say we want to really do that. We want to do church together the way God intended it. We want to grow in Jesus. We want to be in community with one another. We recognize that we're going to bump into each other and probably hurt each other. We hate that. So, So how do we do it? How can we practically work it out when that does happen? How can we do that? Well, there's some things we have to do. Now, I want to take a moment here uh, and recognize that forgiveness is an incredibly complicated and complex topic. I recognize that some of you in this room have experienced like evil, darkness, pain, and sometimes uh, from people who were supposed to protect you from those things. I'm really sorry that that happened. Like I am. Like that breaks my heart. That breaks God's heart. And maybe you've tried to forgive. You've taken, you feel like you take one step forward, two steps back. It's really hurtful. It's really painful. I want to be sensitive to that. When you heard me start talking about forgiveness, you start to think about what's happened. You start to feel anger and pain. Like I'm really sorry that that's happened. Forgiveness is complex and hard. So when I talk about the route of forgiveness, I'm not, I hope you hear my heart. I'm not throwing this out there. It says, well, these are the three steps and you do them and then everything's taken care of. Instead of thinking about it that way, why don't you think about, okay, as he starts talking about these things, what stands out at me? What's God maybe pointing me to? Where does my heart feel pricked? So I want to be sensitive here as we talk about forgiveness. The first thing that we have to do is we have to be honest about what's happened to us. If we want to extend forgiveness to others, and if we want to ask for forgiveness, we have to be honest. We can't truly ask for forgiveness unless we know how we've harmed and hurt a brother or sister. Sounds pretty straightforward, But it's not. It's a challenge. Even in our clip this morning, right, the dad turns to his son and says, hey, I'm sorry. And then he, I'm sorry that I abandoned you. 
It was selfish. It was cruel. He didn't say, hey, you know, a couple times maybe I wasn't the best dad. But, you know, you have mistakes too, so I'm sorry and let's move on. He doesn't do that. He, he's honest about what has happened. It means you're going to have to sit and take a non-censored account of what went on. Someone did something that hurt you. You're going to have to go there for forgiveness to start. You're going to have to fight against the self-preservation tactics of, well, it was a long time ago. It doesn't matter. Well, I know that person didn't really mean to. They're just doing the best they could or they had their issues too. Like all those things may be well and true, fine, whatever. But that you're going to have to not let that be a defense. You're going to have to sit in it and say, regardless of this or that, it hurt. And here is what happened. You got to be honest about what happened and how it hurt you. Or if you want to ask for forgiveness, you need to be honest about what has happened. And you recognize that it hurt this person. That's a scary place. That's a hard place. That's a challenging place. It's a place where you may need counseling or a pastor or friends or trusted mentors who can help you sit in it. But you're going to have to go there if you want to really experience and extend forgiveness. And secondly, you're going to have to offer forgiveness. Offering forgiveness, you're going to have to really do it. You're going to have to offer it. Now, it could take a couple of routes, right? One choice One thing we can do is we can let love cover, right? The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Maybe these are not the big traumatic things that have happened in life, but maybe this is just somebody was short with you in your small group or somebody didn't respond the way you thought they should respond or or maybe they shot off at the mouth and they said something that they probably shouldn't have said and it hurt your feelings and you've thought about it and you realize you're hurt, but you realize you're at a place where you can say, you know what? I'm going to let love cover this. I forgive this person. God, I pray for them, bless them, help them. That's an option. And it's a beautiful option. It's one I hope we practice often. But let's say you do that. Let's say you let love cover but the resentment and anger doesn't really go away. Or maybe it's too big to just let love cover it. Maybe you're going to have to have that conversation to let love cover it in another way. Maybe you need to write a letter or sit down and talk. Because if you've forgiven, but yet you still feel angry, you still feel bitter, you still kind of want something, vengeance, some kind of pain, to happen to that person, then maybe you got to keep walking in forgiveness. Not anger as in, oh, I'm angry this happened. It's okay to be angry that stuff happened. You should be angry that bad things have happened. Anger is kind of what shows us, oh, wait, something's wrong here. But I'm talking about an anger where you live in resentment, where you are actively wanting revenge, Pain, hurt. Maybe you need to have a conversation. And here's what's beautiful about the church is that we're supposed to be the community where these things take place. 
We're supposed to be the community where you can reach out to a pastor, a staff person, an elder, someone, and say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. Can you help me? I'm going to have a conversation with my father or my brother or my neighbor or my small group leader, and and I'm really scared and I'm afraid, and I really would love someone to come with me to do it. That's what we're supposed to do. And we get to come together, and if we're people who are gentle, (laughs) kind, compassionate, then those conversations go easy. Now, I can't give you the script, right? I can't say, okay, you say this, this, this. No, you say that. It's not a magic spell. It doesn't work that way. But you can come together and you can name what's happened and be honest about it and talk. And then say, I forgive you. Now, listen, That conversation might take years. Like it might take months to get to the place. That's okay. It's okay. But after you've offered forgiveness, you're going to have to commit to forgiveness. Forgiveness is a commitment that we make over and over and over. Jesus explained this. One of his disciples came and asked him about forgiveness. The book of Matthew says this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Now Jesus isn't saying, okay, like get out the calculator and if they do it 77 times, you got to forgive them and then 78 you know, or however the math is, I apologize. He's not giving like there's a limit. He's saying, no, you just, you got to keep forgiving. You got to walk in forgiveness. You got to be interested in forgiveness. You ever think about those verses where Jesus says, if you don't forgive, your sins won't be forgiven you. What's he saying? He's talking about a commitment of forgiveness. He's not saying, okay, if five people sin against you, um, you better forgive all of them or I'm not going to forgive. He's saying, listen, if you're not interested in forgiveness, if you're not interested in forgiving those around you, you're going to shut down the part of your life where God wants to come in and forgive. And Jesus, after he gives Jesus, or after Jesus tells Peter this, he tells him a story, he tells him a parable about a steward about a servant who was, he had a ton of debt, more than he could even dream of repaying. He goes to the person he owes the debt to, and he says, hey, will you forgive me? The person forgives him, sends him out. And then the minute the guy who was forgiven goes out, he grabs another person. He grabs somebody who owes him a small amount of money. He starts choking him. He says, give me everything you owe me. Now, he was forgiven, but he was not interested in true forgiveness. That servant was not interested in really being forgiven. And he wasn't interested in forgiving other people. We have to choose to commit to keep walking in forgiveness. This doesn't happen in a moment. It's a commitment. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, anger, rage, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Jesus has forgiven you. Get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words. If you find yourself, I forgave that person, but yet I'm still 
bitter. I'm still, I still feel the rage. I still feel the anger. I, I still say the harsh words. I'm still slandering them to other people about it. Then take a deep breath. Maybe, maybe we didn't forget. Maybe we got to keep working it, keep talking about it. But if we can do that, if we can be brave, right? If we can put all that stuff aside, if we can commit to a lifestyle of doing that, something will happen. The results of forgiveness. When we become a place where we're practicing that on a regular basis and we're committing to walk in that, something happens. What happens is God's character, because remember, forgiveness is rooted in God. We, at, we become little mirrors. And when we commit to that life, forgiveness that comes down to us, and when we forgive others, it's like beamed out into the world in really unique and powerful ways. Now, you might remember back in 2015, South Carolina, a man walked into a historically black church, a Bible study they were having. In his own words, he wanted to start a new race war. He attended this Bible study, and when it had ended, he promptly gunned down uh, nine of the attendees. And 36 hours after that shooting, the families of the loved ones were attending a bail hearing, some sort of hearing for the gentleman. And they looked, and one of the people in particular looked into the eyes of that person who had killed their family and said this, I will never be able to hold her again, but I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people, but God forgives you and I forgive you. What happened? People who were observing this, people like Jonah Goldberg, who's a Jewish columnist, wrote this. Not being a Christian, I can only marvel at the dignity and courage of the victim's relatives who forgave the shooter. If I could ever manage such a thing, it would take me decades. It took them little more than a day. James Cook, a National Review columnist, wrote this. I am not a Christian. And I must say, this is a remarkable advertisement for Christianity. When we forgive, God's character is shown to the world. We become like mirrors, like small little guideposts who are pointing to the future, saying, this is the future. This is what's coming. Get in on it now. Something else happens when we become a place, something else powerful that happens in forgiveness. Forgiveness is the way we overcome evil. We don't think this way. <laughs> we think we punish evil with hurt and pain and, you know, more bombs and more guns. And, but we overcome evil with forgiveness. In a way, the new world that's like breaking into this one is expanded as we forgive. Why? Because this, when we, when someone does something to hurt us, okay, uh, it's evil, right? Whether it's small or big, that's not of God. We don't hurt each other. It's evil. But when we forgive, we let love have the final word and not the evil that was perpetrated, Love gets the final say, not the evil act. 
There's been incredible evils. I know I'm not downplaying. I'm not saying they're insignificant. But I'm saying that the way of love, the way of forgiveness overcomes them. How did Jesus do away with all the evil and pain and sin in this world? He forgave it at the cross. Think about that. Now, it's important. He didn't just say, oh, you're all forgiven. Let's not do that again. Let's run it back. Try harder. He took, there was justice done. Forgiveness and justice go hand to hand. He didn't just say, oh, you know, that, that thing that happened to you, it's not a big deal. Let it go. Who cares? Not a bit. No. He says it was a big deal. It is painful. It is evil. And here's how we're going to overcome it. I'm going to take it away. I'm going to put it on myself and there'll be justice done unto it. And now you're free to offer this forgiveness and this love to even your very enemies. I think about this when I'm reading the Bible a lot. I'm going to connect these here. Um, one thing I try to really engage and I love about the Bible is that um, we know the ending of the story. But there's so many times as we read the Bible, there's these moments that happen and it looks like it's all going sideways. Uh, the people of God, we are, <laughs> we're dumb sometimes. We do really bad, bad things to people. And there's a story in particular where we see the power of forgiveness not only overcomes evil, but literally by choosing to forgive saves the people of God. There's a story in the book of Genesis in chapters 37 on about a man named Joseph. And Joseph grows up in a family. Joseph has some brothers and uh, they don't like him. Joseph's kind of a jerk. Uh, and they do what, you know, every brother does. They sell their brother into slavery. Um, so they fake his death, they sell him into slavery and Joseph goes down to Egypt and he becomes kind of a, he becomes a ruler there, kind of a big wig. And the brothers are living back in their homeland and there's a famine there and they're starving. There's not enough food for everyone. So they say, Hey, go down to Egypt and see if we can get some food. So they go down to Egypt and they unknowingly find themselves in front of the very brother that they sold into slavery, the very brother that they caused incredible amounts of pain to. And that brother, Joseph, in a moment has a decision to make. Will I forgive or will I not?